0: chocolate mm-hmm. peanut butter hey oh you got your chocolate in my peanut you put butter peanut butter on my chocolate what? what
1: delicious two great tastes that taste great together Reese's peanut butter cups real milk chocolate delicious peanut butter Reese's peanut butter cups and Reese's crunchy peanut butter cups topped with chopped peanuts This is the Extra Hot Grey Podcast, episode 266 for the week of September 2nd, 2019. I am binary epoxy formula David T. Cole, and I'm here with ironic mullet Sarah D. Bunting.
0: Business in the front, party in
1: your ears. And combination Taco Bell Pizza Hut, Tara Ariano.
2: Gordita Crunchwrap!
1: Hello everybody and welcome to a special episode of Extra Hot Great. How's it special? Well, it's kind of a rerun, but it might not be a rerun to you because we're smashing together two episodes from our Patreon feed to meet contractual obligations, the two sweetest words in the English language. <laughs> Tari, do you want to give a very quick overview of our first episode?
2: Sure. Uh, This was a topic that I came up with. It was inspired by the two uh, Norman Lear live episodes that ABC aired earlier in the spring. Uh, They did a live recast of All in the Family and one of the Jeffersons with the stars of today. So my concept was, let's go with that. What other uh, multicam shows should get a live retelling and who should play which parts? And that is what we talked about. Let's listen to that episode.
0: Is that guy in your office supposed to be my replacement because he doesn't look anything like me?
1: (laughs) This is the Extra, Extra Hot Great Podcast, Episode 8, Making More Live Remakes Live on Tape. I am flightless bird David T. Cole, and I'm here with beret flinger Sarah D. Bunting. I'm going to remake it after all. And efficiency expert Tara Ariano.
2: I'm Plan B. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another extra, extra hot great. Thank you to all of you for supporting us on Patreon. Here is our topic for the day. The Jimmy Kimmel spearheaded ABC aired restagings of one classic episode each of All in the Family and the Jeffersons live in front of a studio audience delivered one of the network's highest rated season wraps in years. And you know what that means. Copycats are coming. (laughs) Can we just stop for pause for a second and just talk about the episodes? Because Dave and I watched them last night, all in the family. Woof, everyone was really making a meal of those accents. I have to say, yeah, great. yeah, um, but the Jefferson's one was better anyway. Today on Extra Extra Hot Great, we are staying ahead of the trend and each choosing a classic episode of TV to remake and casting all the roles with actors working today how not switch it up. Let's go with David Teagle.
1: Okay. So I originally thought I wanted to do something a little bit different. I was trying to find a bottle episode of Star Trek to do, like one that takes place almost all on the bridge, because I think that would be campy and fun to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, surprisingly, the original series didn't have that many bottle episodes, and I think it would be like too complicated to have like four sets. You have to figure out something that only has like three or so to make this work. So yep. I discarded that, and I started to basically just find something that they were doing classic 70s 60s 70s 80s sitcom and i landed on wkrp in cincinnati
0: (laughs) oh i can't wait to hear which episode you picked because i considered oh really so my episode is the one
1: that's in the canon it's turkeys away sure it's the famous (laughs) thanksgiving episode from wkrp let me run down the episode So the episode is about Mr. Carlson feeling and that's he's the station boss. He feels useless at his own uh, station and he is attempting to get back into the game with sort of a person by person tour of WKRP. So everybody in the cast gets at least a small showcase for their character. And that's important for something like this. Of course, his master stroke is this idea he has for this free turkey giveaway promotion, where he is going to give the people of Cincinnati free turkeys, while hopefully getting all the other media outlets in town to cover this. He really thinks this is like a real media event. Turns out, it was a real media event, but not the <laughs> kind you want. Um, it turns into like dozens of mini Hindenburg disasters as live turkeys are tossed out of a helicopter, 2000 feet over a parking lot. And uh, of course the episode ends with the classic Mr. Carlson line with God as my witness. I thought turkeys could fly And that. That of course is the episode. You can go back and listen to the Canon presentation. I think Trip Payne did it. If memory serves.
2: I think it was Monty, wasn't it?
1: Oh, it might've been Monty. Yeah. In addition to just being a very famous episode with lots of character moments and everybody having a moment, there is, of course, the music that they play in the episode now... The music's been butchered since its original airing because of music licensing problems that all old shows have. Um, Mm -hmm. I managed to watch this online, and it's just a DVD rip, so the music is very generic, so it'd be interesting to have that back. And also, the music itself will be sort of a plus in that sort of guitar hero introduces everybody to Boston, you know, that's under 20 (laughs) years old kind of way. So. sure. For the actual episode, I am going to have a musician redo the theme live and just think about that theme and the way it's sung, not to emulate it, but to, I would say, enhance it or at least give it a different take. We're going to have Tony Bennett singing WKRP.
2: Uh-huh. That I works, like right? It. You know, that sing-songy yep, kind sure. of quality,
1: the WKRP and dead. All right. So here's my casting. I'm very happy with this casting. It's a mix of, like, <laughs> dead ringers and people that can play in the wheelhouse but are, you know, you wouldn't think of that first blush. So we'll start. I'm going to do this in order of appearance in the episode. First up, Mr. Carlson. I'm going to put in J.K. Simmons in there as Mr. Carlson. Because <laughs> he can do comedy, and he's really good. Yep. And Mr. Carlson on the, on the episode is... Kind of a goof, you know, kind of kind of a little slow. And I think J.K. Simmons could really play that. Mm-hmm. Next up, Herb Tarlick. He's the ad salesman at WKRP. Doesn't look like him, but we're going to throw a wig. And again, great comedy performer that doesn't usually play comedy or at least doesn't play it enough, Christopher Maloney as Herb Tarlick.
2: Yes, mm-hmm. I love that. That's totally. Really good. Yep.
1: Third up in the episode, newsman Les Nessman. And he, of course, is, has the biggest part in this episode, Beyond the Boss, as he is the one reporting on <laughs> Turkey Day events. And in that slot, I am putting Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep, I can see it.
1: Jennifer Marlowe, that's the Londi Anderson character, um, the secretary receptionist. I am putting uh, Jamila J- Jamil. Is that her name? Is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Yep. From the good place at all. Mm-hmm. I think she has, she can deliver the same sardonic energy. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's beautiful as well. Sure. Venus Flytrap, we're going with Sterling K. Brown.
2: Love yes. it.
1: <laughs> Johnny Fever has got to be somebody just like a little bit beyond his prime. He has to have that vibe that he was super cool seven years ago, but it's like mm-hmm. now entering, you should have done something more with your life territory. And yeah. for, johnny fever i'm going with sam rockwell mm-hmm. uh-huh. for bailey quarters mostly for the voice and she's a little old probably now but i'm going with allison hannigan mm-hmm. their voices you listen to bailey quarters it she sounds just like her so yeah, uh, i'm gonna go really with does. willow for bailey quarters sure. uh, next up on the uh cast is andy travis and because he looks almost exactly like him nathan fillion the yeah. rookie <laughs> slash
0: <laughs> captain <laughs> yeah. And feather that hair, you're all set. That takes yep.
1: care of the WKRP staff. There is one other role in this episode, and that is the brief appearance of the store owner in which Les Nessman is doing his report in front of. He's nobody in the show. He's not like a well-known actor. So I was thinking it would be fun to have like a super rich business tycoon owner type play that role. He literally comes Mm -hmm. in, delivers one line, and leaves again. So I want to put Mm -hmm. like Bill Gates in that role. So Bill Gates (laughs) just pops out, says something about, you can't record here, then pops back in. And that's like all you see of him. So that's my pitch for WKRP's
0: Turkeys Away.
2: Amazing. Sarah? I
0: did consider... turkeys away but i ended up going with another um canon um presentation i think successful by jeff drake uh as it turns out uh the mary tyler moore pilot love us all around uh the guy who sings the theme song is in fact still alive he's in his 80s he could probably do it um this one i, I really had to like write down a bunch of names and then be crossing them out um <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore like I don't think I really have to review the the plot of the pilot because yeah. it's all right there in the theme song um but uh since we're putting Chrissy Teigen in everything lately she's Mary Richards.
2: Sure. Obviously. Why not?
0: Um but I felt that the cast could use a little more diversity. So um Lou Grant Louise Grant is played by Anna DeVere Smith, who I'm also trying to put in everything <laughs> lately. Um, because Wait, who's that? She's uh,
2: she was Nancy was, McNally from the West Wing. She's the NSA I've, uh, advisor, I think. Oh, okay.
0: Yes. Okay. And um, like, I still think um, longingly of that like quilted house coat. She shows up at some crisis in, in the middle of the <laughs> night <laughs> in the sit room. Mm-hmm. Um, Samira Wiley. As Rhoda, mm-hmm. uh, Adam Pally as Marie Slaughter. Um, he <laughs> that character has like two lines in the pilot, but it's Adam Pally. He mm-hmm. will make it work as yep. Gavin McCloud did. Yep. In the pilot, uh, as Ted Baxter, <clears throat> I struggled because you have you have that like sort of Johnny Fever way about him that he's like a little a little past it and doesn't get it. About himself, um, and so I had many. Uh, I had Chris Maloney on my short list. Um, <laughs> I had John Ham on my short list, but uh-huh. in the end, I went with Todd Grinnell, who played Schneider, oh, yeah. and the one yep. did a time reboot. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Ham will be Bill, the uh, fiancé, who um, Mary Tyler Moore picked work in Minneapolis over him, and. Uh, he comes back to make his pitch. Um, I think that John Hamm actually would do, would be perfect. Like I know he's been doing more like satirical of his own image types of things lately, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, that role is actually kind of good and a little sad. And I think that he would be perfect for it. And we know that he can wear the clothes of 1970. So that is my love is all around. Uh,
1: before we move on, when you were talking about people you were going to cast for Ted Baxter and you were starting the list of people and you, John Hand's name came up, I really thought, because in my head I already picked him, and I thought you were going to go the same way, and that is uh, John Slattery for Ted Baxter.
2: Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, especially if you've seen him in 30 Rock, you know you can play that kind of uh-huh. stupid. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's true. Well, guys, I also went with an episode of television that we have inducted into our canon. I went with the news radio episode, The Public uh, Domain, which Dan Blau, uh, Rogie submitted, um, when he was on a while ago. Uh, he, this is the episode where Bill McNeil, um, has decided he's going to, uh, start a side hustle as a satirical um, piano player doing filk basically to uh, songs that are of, as the subject as the title suggests in the sub in the public domain yes. so they're all well-known songs with with very half-assed political messages laid over them at the same time uh the first half of the season arc involves mr james hiring an efficiency expert to try and streamline operations at wnyx which has resulted thus far in her laying off only one employee the extremely useless matthew played by andy dick um and in this episode andrea who's played by lauren graham has brought in a second uh efficiency expert of sorts except he's taking over half of dave's job he has basically no lines in the episode in he's played by the late Paul Gleason, uh, the principal from The Breakfast Club, uh, but mostly is just stands around glowering until the end um, and Bill overcomes his <laughs> is the threat that he's going to take over Dave's job um, by just uh, punching him in the face. And this rattles him so much that he goes along with everything everyone says and that's how they get rid of Steve. So at the, (laughs) the C plot is Mr. James is having a, a, a documentary shot about himself and he's very bad and awkward on camera. And then blah blah, high jinx blah, that's less important. So the, the it's really just the main cast. Like like Dave's character, the the uh the documentarian is like a nobody, so I didn't bother to cast him. Sorry, Dave. Um and so here is my cast in order of appearance in the episode. Lisa the reporter played by Maura Tierney in the original. I have her played here by Melissa Fumero from Brooklyn Nine-Nine because Amy same Santiago character. is <laughs> basically Lisa Miller. A uh, lot of similarities there. Uh, for Dave Nelson, the station manager played by Dave Foley in the original. I have Justin Long. I feel like he has Ooh, the same kind okay. of energy. As Andrea, as I mentioned, played by Lauren Graham. Here I have her played by Casey Wilson. Uh, who I think would be the same kind of uh, goofy, bubbly, but with an edge. Uh, we definitely saw that in the first season of Black Monday. As Steve, guess what, Dave? I also cast J.K. Simmons.
1: <laughs> He's a busy man. Well, well, we'll do both of those, and he can just stick around uh, like um, Jamie Foxx did.
2: Like Jamie Foxx, exactly. Um, so as Beth, the uh, the receptionist assistant played by Vicki Lewis in the original, I have Alana Glazer from Broad City. Mm-hmm. In place of Joe, played by Joe Rogan, I went with Channing Tatum. Uh, <laughs> this episode requires him to bodily pick up Matthew and carry him out of uh, a room. At one point, yeah. at another, he has to, like, leap over a huge puddle of water that Matthew has spilled on the floor, like, at a run. So I think mm-hmm. Channing Tatum could do both of those. As Matthew, originally played by Andy Dick, I went with Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Same kind of hair, oh, if nothing yeah, else. totally.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: And so here's where it gets kind of difficult. I had a hard time pat- casting these last two roles. Uh as Bill of course, the late legend Phil Hartman. Here hear me out cuz this is kind this is kind of a a, a different way I went with Sam Richardson. Um, now I know on Veep where he played Richard Splett, he was a, a real sweet sweetie and, he, and kind of a, you would say an idiot in terms of social interaction, but actually super duper smart, very accomplished. Um, but I think Sam Richardson showed us in Detroiters and Champagne Ill that he could cover the um, pompous idiot part of the Bill McNeil role. And as would be required for this episode in particular, he can sing. So that is my out-of-the-box casting for Bill and for Mm. Mr. James, played by Stephen Root in the original. I went with Brian Tyree Henry because after the 2018 he had, I now think he literally could do anything (laughs) and I would like to see it. Um, so that is my cast for a new news radio. And I know that news radio is not something you would necessarily think of first as a classic TV episode, but it was shot in front of a studio audience. Dave and I attended a taping. And this episode is 22 years old. This episode, old enough to vote and then some. So, uh, yeah, that is uh, that's my cast. All right. That's our pitches. Thanks, guys.
0: If you do not leave this building in five minutes, I am calling security. Dave, i just picking up some of my stuff. That's
2: all. Uh, sorry.
0: AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world sundance now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own why is sundance now so awesome sundance now's catalog includes award-winning original content international exclusives and hard to find properties at a fair price you get premium content and no commercials for as low as 4.99 a month with an annual membership and you can enjoy it anywhere sundance now works on all your favorite devices download the app or watch online on apple and android devices amazon fire tv google chromecast roku and more my favorite aspect of sundance now is their documentary library pop culture investigations like the cult of jt leroy the pussy riot doc and that must see for project runway fans bill cunningham new york but the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet. And I had to force myself not to start Valentine road instead of recording this ad. So let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession to try Sundance now free for 30 days. Go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code. E H G. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W dot com and use promo code E-H-G for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now!
1: Well, that's our first Patreon episode. Guys, that was a really different time. It was before we were nuking hurricanes.
2: Greenland wasn't even for sale then. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Sarah D. do you want to tell us about our second episode today?
0: I've always thought that American Crime Story did a fantastic uh, job with its chosen subjects. But there are so many uh, British stories and actors that would really benefit from the same treatment. So we talked about what a British Crime Story series one would look like. So, yeah, that's what we talked about.
1: All right. Let's listen to do our second episode.
0: Hello. What's all this then?
1: This is the Extra Extra Hot Grape Podcast, Episode 17, British Crime Story, Series 1. I am a non-setting son, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Ripper Truther, Sarah D. Bunting. Tour the Prince of Wales. And mustachioed Bobby, Tara Ariano.
2: Stop or I won't shoot.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Extra, Extra Hot Great, just for our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Today, uh, FX had announced not long after we recorded last week's main podcast that American crime story has finally started moving forward on its third topic, impeachment, the story of the Clinton presidency scandal. One of the great things about that franchise, in my opinion, is that it provides so much food for thought between seasons, not least the inevitably incorrect speculation about what it will take on next and with whom in which roles. So now that that has been taken off the table for the moment, let's talk about what a Union Jack version of this show would look like. This is not a culture that does not know how to script stories about its most notorious crimes and scandals. I'm thinking about Manhunt, a very English scandal, the Oscar-nominated short film Detainment, just in the last couple of years. But now is our chance to control which narrative is going to get the anthology treatment. Dave, would you like to begin?
1: I am attracted to this crime called the Brinks-Matt robbery. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hadn't heard about it before, but it really sounds like Goodfellas set in the UK. It's one of those gang on a job, crime of the century deals where, you know, everybody has a role, and but then things go wrong and Honor Among Thieves breaks down. It's very, very fella Z, which I think would make for a good season because it's got a lot of rhythms and a lot of phases and a lot of characters. So let me run down what happened. So, first of all, the crime takes place in 1983, and the 80s are so hot right now, guys. So, we got that going for us. We got the music, we got the dress. For people that don't really know what the 80s were actually like, we'll fool them with uh, blue and purple lights on everything to make them think it's super (laughs) 80s. Glass brick. Yeah. Six robbers break into a logistics warehouse near Heathrow Airport with the help of security guard very good fellow huh. thinking they're going to score at just a few million pounds in cash. The robbers actually find around 90 million pounds adjusted for today's value in gold bullion Whoa. in the warehouse. So this is like a Fuck. where they keep stuff before it goes to customs. Like it's one of those buildings. It's an instant new sensation. And then things start to break down about a month later when the guard's brother-in-law tips the police, which leads to the arrest of one of the robbers named Brian Robinson, which is, you know, a great last name for his line of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then things kind of switch into a forensic case because it's all about following the money and the stupid things that happen with trying to launder the gold so that they can actually oh, spend yeah. their money. So, knowing an arrest is kind of coming because they're on Brian's trail, the other lead robber, Mickey McAvoy, who is actually played by Sean Bean in the TV movie of this uh, back huh. in the 90s. So, Mickey entrusts his share of the gold to some cronies to liquidate uh, both literally and figuratively. But the (laughs) sudden influx of money through that action tips the bank off and they let the police know. And they then get on the trail of a third robber named Kenneth Noy, who is the launderer of the group. So they've got a line on Brian. They got a line on Mickey. They got a line on Kenneth. Kenneth is put under surveillance in 85, he kills a police officer he discovers in his garden, but he's acquitted on self-defense. So he got this nice little mid-story beat that's, that's kind of crazy and and very not British to an outsider looking in.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: then uh, Mickey is arrested and he hopes he can return the money for a reduced sentence. But of course, there's no honor among these and that money has disappeared into the underground. So at this point, those three main uh robbers are kind of up shit's creek uh they've been discovered their leverage has disappeared and uh they are heading to jail and there's a bunch of other things that happen that'll make for good tv i'll just run them down it's kind of a random list but you'll get a sense of uh the incompetency involved the scope of what was involved and just sort of like why this would make uh good moments of television a few days after the robbery, somewhere in the suburbs of London, a senior couple tipped the police to a smelting cauldron in use in their neighbor's backyard. So this neighbor is actually <laughs> melting down gold in his backyard in a giant cauldron. As you do. <laughs> the police arrive to the house, but it's like a block or two out of their jurisdiction. So they tell the couple they will inform the correct local police, which they just never do. So, they actually could have caught these people much sooner, <laughs> except they just didn't follow up. Like, they just, somebody just never made the phone call. So, Mickey and Ken, they do not play things cool after the robbery. They almost immediately buy big, lavish country homes.
2: Guys.
1: Very good fellas again. Come uh-huh. on. It is rumored that Mickey bought guard dogs who he named Brinks and Matt. So, they're not oh, being subtle about Mickey.
0: anything. Mickey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So only three of the estimated 15 people involved with the whole operation are ever sentenced, the three that I mentioned. The best one is Kenneth, who is arrested a couple years later. This is the guy that killed the police officer. He's acquitted of that. Finally, got a line on him for the robbery. After they find three years later 11 gold bars in his home, he left the gold in his house. Not a smart guy. Uh, he was eventually released, but then, like years and years later, did a Rogue Rage murder in Spain and is now in prison for life. Wow, oh boy. Most of the gold is never found. Uh, the robbers, inexperienced with moving gold, had to seek the help of a London crime boss, only known as the Fox which is like great because my god i want this
0: to exist this sounds so awesome
1: because now like he is the fox i can cast anybody which we'll get into later one of the great train robbery launderers was a part of this and was murdered in 1990 that's like seven years later for fucking up and losing three million pounds of the original hall boom boom two in the head Yeah, can't disagree. Uh, Another party enlisted to launder the gold was known as the Adams Family. Only one D, but still nice little touch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, A couple (laughs) other maybe robbers were killed after the fact in that very Goodfellas style where somebody was paranoid that they were being too out in the open with uh, the fact that they... Uh, got some money and were executed. And the most recent beat of the story is that the Panama Papers from a year and a half ago yeah. actually show how much of the haul was laundered. And because of the Panama Papers, the original company was able to reclaim a relatively small portion of the original gold, but still worth millions because of how much was originally stolen. So we've got... Almost 35 years of story from the robbery up to the Panama Papers. Wow. Well,
2: and can I also just add, the the main whistleblower woman, I forget her name, but she, of the Panama Papers was assassinated. So there's season two. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, laughs> there you go. The story goes on. The follow up. Wow. So it sounds
1: like a really... Excellent pick. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff there to work with. And, you know, these uh, robbers, they are like a real motley crew, judging from... The casting of the TV movie, you got Sean Bean, very handsome. You've got yep. a lot of uh, guys that look like they could be chimney sweepers just a couple years ago. <laughs> like it is a real good mix of people. So when I went to cast everything, I kind of just went big with everything. I didn't cast like I thought I could get. I cast what I would want. So I just opened up the big book of British actors and started mm-hmm. picking the most famous ones that would be great for the part. So. Uh Brian Robinson, the first to be arrested from the tip-off from the guard's brother-in-law. I'm going to give that to Tom Hiddleston. Mm-hmm. Sure. With that night manager menace he brought. Mm-hmm. Mickey... Uh, who is sort of the lead. That's the Sean Bean from the TV movie. I'm going to give that to Tom Hardy. Huh? Anthony yep. Black, that's the guard who gave them the key to get into this thing, who immediately broke down and confessed everything as soon as the police knocked on his door. I'm giving that to Martin Freeman. I think he'd be like a nice little <laughs> weaselly <laughs> yes. guy. Fair goal. Casting The Fox, I've got two to pick from. We're either going to go Ben Kingsley or Michael Caine
2: uh-huh. for yes. your
1: you know senior stature career crime boss character yeah i don't know anything about the adams family except they were involved so i'm gonna go with uh the duo of gary Ullman and judy dench as the heads of the (laughs) adams family sure and uh in the music in the background i just want the slightest hint of the adams family theme like just sort of (laughs) weave through whatever they have for their score
0: that's their doorbell yeah
1: for kenneth who was the launderer i want david tennant in his kind of unhinged manic doctor who with a little bit of the purple villain dude from jessica jones spliced in Uh seems like a happy guy that might be on cocaine but also you get the feeling that he just might kill you for shits and giggles at any moment (laughs) and finally i haven't talked about it but there was a lead at scotland yard and i'm gonna give that to colin firth and that is my line okay all right so that is the brinks mat robbery And there's a podcast about it, apparently from Sky TV or something like that, that apparently is pretty good. So I might check
0: that out later too. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Let me know. Sounds like Sarah's going to too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Who's next? Uh, I will go next. Uh, I picked Bella in the witch elm. This is a unsolved case um, that sort of is, uh, sort of is continuing in the manner of the Poe toaster here. I will get to it. Um, In 1943, Uh, four young boys who were like illegally bird nesting on some council uh, discovered the skeletonized remains of a woman inside a witch elm in Hagley Wood, Hagley, the Britishest place on earth, (laughs) Um, located in the estate of Hagley Hall in Worcestershire, England. Uh, The victim's murder was actually approximated to have occurred in 1941. She remains unidentified and the current location of her skeleton and the autopsy report is unknown. So you've got some JFK's brain aspects to this. Uh, So she was discovered in 1943. In 194, there were like no leads. They had no, uh, they had just nothing. It was cold. Um, One of her hands was missing and they thought maybe there was some like ritual Uh, aspects to that um, the local roma population got blamed for some things which apparently happened a lot uh, Hmm. back then uh there was yeah great good job um but there was really no movement on the case because it was like a skeleton in a tree and they didn't know who she was and nobody really believably claimed her and there was a war on so uh the next movement in the case was 1944 when this mysterious graffito appeared on a nearby obelisk (laughs) because where else would you graffiti something (laughs) uh that asked who put bella in the witch elm and it has appeared periodically in like on train underpasses like t-shirts it's just one of those like Kilroy was here 187 like things in in um British graffiti culture that uh that keeps popping up. Um but we don't we still don't know who Bella is, where Bella is, who put her there, why put her in a tree? I mean I I guess it worked. Um there are a bunch of theories about uh her death, but I think that this is uh an excellent choice for serialization in British crime story because Um, there are various characters in all senses of that word that come in and out of the story with their theories on the case. Um, for example, in 1953, one Una Mossop said that her ex-husband had confessed to family members that he and a Dutchman called Van Ralt had put the woman in the tree, uh, the woman uh, who was drunk had passed out while they were driving her home and the men put her in a hollow tree in the woods in the hope that in the morning she would wake up and be frightened into seeing the error of her ways. Jack Mossup was confined to a Stafford mental hospital because he had recurring dreams of a woman staring out at him from a tree. He died in this hospital before the body in the elm was found. Uh, the likelihood of this being the correct explanation has always been uh Low, but I think it's a good jumping off point. For the show, the framing device is uh, Mossop played by Grant Chester's James Norton, who's also in Happy Valley. Speaking to his psychiatrist Dr. Pym at Stafford Sanitarium. Mr. Dr. Pym is played by Matthew McFadden uh, about what he remembers. After Mossop takes his own life, Pym becomes obsessed with checking out or ruling out Mossop's assertions about what took place that night. When the police initially assigned to the case Detective Sergeant Fred Whitaker, Legends of Tomorrow's Arthur Darville, mm. and Detective Constable Simon Shears, Animal Kingdom's Ben Robson, aren't helpful, Pym begins investigating on his own, a project that leads him through various grieving families, a corrupt local war effort and a magistrate with a dark secret, Hugh Bonneville, mm. a sex worker blackmail ring headed by Madam and Pym love interest Helena Hastings, the Crown's Vanessa Kirby, to the mysterious Van Ralt, Pennyworth's Jason Fleming, and a wild conspiracy that leads Pym right back to a secret file vault underground at Stafford Sanitarium, with special guest stars Sophie Rundle as Bella in flashbacks, Jude Law as Neville, Neville Chamberlain, don't ask, I just <laughs> kind of wanted to cast Jude Law as Neville Chamberlain, and Tom Wilkinson as retired chief of the Metro London Police, William Horwood, who did actually exist. Um, I think that there's a lot of fun to be had with the period piece of it all. Um, you can use all those Bletchley circle sets and costumes that I miss so much. Uh, <laughs> you could actually use most of the cast. I'd be fine with that. I think Sophie Rundle was briefly in Bletchley. I can't remember. Um, uh, yeah, I just am fascinated by cases that even in um, the 21st century, the the victims still aren't identified like a uh, little miss from the circus fire and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So yeah. and the fact that um their best guess as to what happened is that two guys quote taught her a lesson which actually means that they raped her probably. Right. Um and then put her in a tree is just such a like British way of handling your felonious shit. It's like, oh, well, we're really in trouble now. We'd better put her in a tree. Like, this is just not something that would happen in the States, in my opinion. So, uh, yes, who did put Bella in the witch elm? Perhaps a uh, British Crime Story can help shed some light. And also, where where is the body? Like, where's the skeleton? If there's a podcast about this, please let me know. <laughs> Tana French did write a book named The Witch Elm, but I think this is a little more tangential to the story than the title would suggest tara take us home or him
2: okay well american crime story had the assassination of johnny versace i would like british crime story to explore the assassination of joe cox Uh, the new yorker ah. recently uh, had a story about Robbie Mullen, who got involved in far right white supremacist politics in the UK, yes. and then had to figure out how to extract himself when they hatched an assassination plot. So that's why I think the story could start in the world of Thomas Mayer, Christopher Eccleston. Um and with the disaffected young male racists that he cultivated and the plots that they hatched to turn public opinion against immigrants and toward the leave campaign, which was ongoing at the time in 2016. I believe it is possible to dramatize this subculture without glamorizing it. Christopher Eggleston obviously has played a lot of villains. He doesn't make them look cool like when he goes that way, it is creepy and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it's important to, to portray, uh, Mayor's backstory, not in order to make the audience empathize with him, obviously, because I don't think they would, but to show the interconnections between his white supremacist group and the others that inspired him from around the world, like in South Africa and other far right campaigns and, you know, other majority white European countries. Um, just to show the process of how a person with conservative leanings can be convinced by increasingly extremist positions, given how racist organizations are on the rise, not just in the UK, but all over the Western world. Um, so mayor targeted Joe Cox, who in this would be played by Louise Breeley from Sherlock. She's the lab tech who has a crush on him. Uh-huh. If you Google Joe Fox, they look exactly alike and she's the right age um, because she was passionate in support of the EU and of immigrants. And he assassinated her seven days before the Brexit vote in 2016 um saying that she was a traitor to the white race because of her political positions and so he was arraigned 2 days after the murder there isn't much of a manhunt story to tell but there was a trial and the application of a 2000 terrorism act was an issue that could be explored in a scripted drama format and i think it also could expand out in its in its lens um to tell the larger story of the leave campaign with regard to brexit um and the timing of the crime because it's not a coincidence um And so figures involved in stoking racist violence would be part of the story as well. People like Nigel Farage, who I envisioned Mm. as Mark Shepard from Supernatural, it's not an exact – duplicate but you know people who look like nigel farage aren't usually actors it's a weird looking frog man um <laughs> yeah. we always need also need boris johnson and for him i thought uh conleth hill who is lord varus from game of thrones in a weird way. Uh, yes yes and rose leslie obviously would be played by emma greenwell from the rook <laughs> because in case you hadn't heard rose leslie's father is a uh is a far right leave person still and she's also a leave pig so we hate her now rose leslie is canceled um anyway (laughs) i think there is a lot here to work with uh it's obviously a much more recent story than either of the ones that you um mentioned but i think because of the, the the various ties it has i think there's there would be a lot of um a lot of ground to explore so that was what i picked (laughs) <laughs> well, that
1: is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We took two old episodes you probably haven't heard before and smooshed them together. Remember.
2: We're listening. Ah.
1: I am David T. Cole. And on behalf of Tara Ariano.
2: Those were the days.
1: <laughs> and Sarah Debunting. Shorter on the sides, please. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next time right here for an all-new real episode of Extra
0: Hot Great. You got peanut butter on my chocolate.
2: Well, you got chocolate in my peanut butter.
0: And on Fridays, I do abs and legs, but not calves. As you recall, I do those... With my lads on Wednesdays. This is a cast recommends. Every week
2: we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're gonna love. Welcome to the Naked Scientists. What is a panic attack? You might
1: get
0: to see a hedgehog. I'm the world's first IVF baby. What a
2: wonderful time to be alive! We're landing on
0: the moon. <laughs> Every week, our podcast covers
1: cutting edge news, great stories, and hands on science.
2: Science. And that
0: is to say, physics, medicine, nature, big Space.
2: Space. time, the brain, life, the universe. Subscribe to The Naked Scientists on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: ACAST is home to the biggest podcasts from the
2: US and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.